Welcome to the Ferguson Library Podcast, brought to you by the Public Library here in Stamford, Connecticut. In this episode, we bring you a Medicare educational seminar with Pat Ippolito. This event took place on November 16th, 2021, and was co-sponsored by Senior Services of North America. Here we present Pat Ippolito. Most of us, when we're at that golden time of our lives, when we're about to turn 65, as Barbara mentioned, we're getting inundated in our mailboxes with telephone calls. And even if you proactively begin your research for Medicare, you'll open up websites and be completely confused at that point. Let's hope that by the end of this presentation, you will unravel a bit of that confusion and um, feel more confident about making good, solid, suitable choices that will take you for the rest of your life. So today we're gonna to talk a little bit about Medicare basics. First off, what is Medicare? It's the federal health insurance program. Organizationally, it's run by what's called CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And that group organizationally falls under the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. I like taking it back a step further and talking a little bit about the history of Medicare, because I feel that if you understand where Medicare began and how it came into being, it's, it's a little easier to understand the different components of it. So the first question I usually ask people is, what president do you think signed Medicare legislation into being? Most of the time, I get the following answer. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, of course, the president who put social services, social systems in place. But, the origin of Medicare did begin in his administration. Harry Truman, the vice president, was very baffled by the fact that so many young men were getting rejected for the armed services during World War II. It led to some research investigations, and then, of course, you know, putting together a program and plan to provide a basic level of health care to all citizens in the United States. Well, that, of course, you know, went before the powers that be and the legislature, and it actually never passed in their administration. In fact, it wasn't until decades later when Medicare, which had been modified to now focus on a senior 65 and over population, as well as some disabled populations. It was signed in by President Johnson in 1965. So it's not an age old system, you know, it's a relatively recent system. And I know that my parents were the first beneficiaries of, of a new system of Medicare. 
So these are some of the terms we're going to talk about. Um, premium, which is a monthly fee you pay for having a plan. Most people are used to paying premiums, perhaps even in their employee plans. A deductible is an amount of money that you must pay first before the plan pays for some services or all of the services within the plan. A common way to think about a deductible, I think most people are very used to it in auto insurance. So that if you were in an accident and the accident costs $1,000, if your deductible is 500, you must pay the first 500 and then your plan would kick in for the next 500. Then in Medicare, there are co-pays and co-insurances. Co-pays are typically a fixed amount of money that you will pay if you go see the doctor, perhaps for some hospital visits, perhaps for some services like outpatient surgery. And coinsurances are also payments that a patient or Medicare recipient will pay um, for those services provided. But coinsurance is usually a factor of a percentage of the cost of a service. And actually that, that minor difference is important when you look at some plans, because if you are responsible for a percentage of a, of a service that costs a lot of money, you will be paying more money than if you know in advance what a fixed copay is. So that's an important detail when selecting plans. So now let's talk about the components of Medicare. And this is where the history factors in again a little bit. There's a term that's thrown around a lot, and now you'll know what it means, original Medicare. So in 1965, when the bill was created, original Medicare included what we know now as parts A and part B. And these two parts were the only parts of Medicare in 1965. Part A focuses on, we'll say it's hospital insurance. It covers when you have to go into the hospital. It covers when you have to go into a skilled nursing facility. It covers if you require hospice. It covers some home health care. Now, people ask, what's the cost for hospital? Now, sometimes people, I've heard sometimes people say, oh, Medicare is free. No, we never use the term free. And it's, it costs all of us money. Don't forget the government, your employers, pulled money out of your paycheck to put into your personal Medicare bucket for when you turn 65. Right. So you've been paying into the system all along. When you sign up for Medicare Part A, the premium 
is typically zero per month if you have worked at least 10 years or 40 quarters. And that's if you or your spouse have worked that long. So if you were um, an at-home working parent, raising your children, then if your spouse had been working for at least 10 years, you too are entitled to Medicare Part A at a zero premium. Now, some people have not worked that long. And if they would like hospital Part A, there are premiums attached to purchasing into the system also. Now, in original Medicare, there is Medicare Part B. This is the piece of Medicare that covers doctor visits, outpatient care, home health care. If you require durable medical equipment like wheelchairs, walkers, things of that nature. And there are some preventative and screening services allowed in Medicare Part B. Medicare Part B costs a premium, a monthly premium. The typical monthly premium in 2021 is $148.50 per month. Most years that premium will increase. And it's believed that the increase in 2022 will bring the monthly premium to about $158 per month. So when people say Medicare is free, no. We paid into the system throughout our lives. And now we share in the cost of original Medicare by paying a monthly premium per for part B. Now, those of us that have had employee insurance over the last 20 or 30 years, this is not a you know, brand new concept. We typically pay somewhat or share the cost for our insurances. Now, once you've paid the premium, then if you have only original Medicare, you are now, you must now pay 20% coinsurance for every service that you will have that's allowable by Medicare Part B. Now, let me clarify this for a moment. Medicare Part A, the hospital, has a zero premium, but if you entered a hospital, you would have a deductible, and if you remained in the hospital for a long period of time, you would have daily copays. For Medicare Part B, in original Medicare, you have a monthly premium and you would be responsible for 20% of the services. Some people have said to me, I have Medicare. I don't need anything else. I have Medicare. Think about a bad medical experience that someone in your life has had. I know that I've helped people through strokes, through cancer. If you've ever looked at a hospital bill, 
you would see that even you know, through tests, getting MRIs while you're in the hospital, care, surgeries, after treatment, a hospital bill could be six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars. If you were responsible for 20% of that bill, so for those people who say, I have Medicare, I don't need anything you would be responsible for 20. And actually, there have been studies and research that what original Medicare provides, a person over their lifetime would probably be responsible for somewhere between 30 to 35% of all of their medical costs if they had nothing else to cap that cost. So this is the most important thing to understand, I believe, about Medicare. Here's how you become eligible for Medicare. Hey, you turn 65. It's a beautiful day when you turn 65. It's a milestone. It's a time to stop and reflect. Certainly, it's a time to stop and reflect about Medicare, and I'll tell you why. There's this magical time period around your 65th birthday, three months before your birthday month, your birthday month, and three months after your birthday. This is the time when you have to contemplate Medicare, decide whether you should sign up for part A, for part A and B, decide if you want a plan that wraps around A and B. There will be certain factors that will drive you to the decision of signing up. For instance, if you have a job, and you have employer insurance, you may not have to sign up for Medicare at all. But what's important to note is that this time period is a very important decision time period. And anytime you might lose your health care coverage from another avenue is a very important time period because there are times uh, and durations of times associated with when you can or cannot sign up for Medicare. And some people who miss the deadlines are subject to lifetime penalties in the premiums. So please remember that. It's always good to reflect at 65. And you must reflect anytime there's a big change in your life. Like contiguous health insurance is a very important concept to avoid those lifetime penalties. Now there are certain people under the age of 65 that are also eligible for Medicare. There are people that have um, been on disability 
and have been collecting social security for at least 24 months. And then the 25th month, they become eligible for Medicare. And there are certain diseases or medical situations that make people under 65 also um, available for original Medicare. How do you sign up for Medicare? I think most people are typically surprised when you don't sign up for Medicare by calling Medicare. <laughs> you sign up for Medicare at Social Security. And there's a variety of ways to do it. You can uh, make an appointment at your local office. You can go online and fill out an application. It takes not even 10 minutes. Or you can simply pick up the phone and call your local Social Security office. Um, I encourage people you know, to even just telephone if they have questions. The local Social Security offices I have found are knowledgeable, excellent, timely. They pick up the telephone, they'll call you back. Um, you know, don't, don't be afraid to utilize Social Security as a complete resource once you reach this period of your life. Now, we talked about original Medicare. And again, I'm gonna go back to the history. Let's say my parents in 1965, when they became eligible for Medicare, they recognized that there were some gaps in Medicare, okay? You have to pay deductibles, you have to pay co-pays, co-insurances, Again, there's that lifetime 30 to 35% that you want to cover. You want to cap the costs. Now, originally in 1965, there were no drug plans either. So anybody that took medications, everything was out of pocket. And as time marched on, I recall um, some tearful days, you know, when my parents had to go pick up their medications at the drugstore. So now this is the array of choices. Number one, your red, white, and blue Medicare card. You could simply attach a prescription drug plan to original Medicare. Now you don't have to cry at the drugstore, okay? But in the state of Connecticut alone, there's probably more than 44 different drug plans. <laughs> so which one? And that becomes a factor of some analysis, okay? But if you had your original Medicare card and a drug card, you could certainly save you know, some costs out of that chunk over your lifetime. Now, the second method of covering yourself was one of the original methods. Um, when Medicare first came into being, everybody recognized there was this big gap, that gaps needed to be filled. So insurance companies developed products 
which were originally called Medigap products, which are now kind of referred to as Medicare supplement plans. And these plans are designed and named for letters of the alphabet. They go A, B, C, then I believe it's F, high deductible F, G, N, J. Some have been phased out over the years, some remain. The most popular plans are um, plan F, G, and N, typically today. Now, when insurance companies were designing those plans to fill in the gaps, the federal government stepped in and said, you must make every plan F exactly the same. You must make every plan G exactly the same so that consumers will be able to um, you know, truly judge one plan against the other. What will change is the price from company to company to company. But every plan G has exactly the same benefits as a competitive company. An important point to remember. And then the third way to to cover yourself, to cap the cost of your medical care is something that really has only come into be since about 2006. And these are the Medicare Advantage plans. They're also known as Medicare Part C. I think when I speak with people, the, the first point of confusion is Everybody says, yeah, I, I kind of get what A is. I, I understand B, you know, yeah, D is the drugs, but what the heck is C? <laughs> well, C is where the federal government and insurance companies have combined the buckets, okay? So the Medicare Advantage plans comprise Medicare Part A, Medicare Part B, and a drug plan, typically a drug plan. There are some without drug plans, but that's in special circumstances if you had some other type of drug coverage. So those are the three variations of covering yourself. So the Part D drug plans, um, you know, they in and of themselves are a little tricky. Um, every one of those plans has a different list or recipe of drugs. They each, every drug plan has to contain at least two medications in every category. But those two medications are gonna vary from plan to plan to plan. So it is a, especially important to put some focus on the analysis of your medication list against all the plans available in your state. That will be the biggest source of cost savings typically. You can enroll again in a standalone plan that combines with original Medicare 
or you can get your drug plan through that Medicare Part C, the Medicare Advantage plan. Now here's a little bit more detail on that second type of coverage, what used to be Medigap, which is now Medicare Supplement. These plans help cover the costs, fill in the gaps of original Part A and B. They are sold by private insurance companies. They come with a monthly premium these plans can or cannot be underwritten. That means you, you may or may not be eligible for a particular plan. These plans are regulated by your state insurance departments. So your state will configure the rules around underwriting together with insurance companies in these plans. The state of Connecticut is, um, is somewhat unique in that um, the Medicare supplement plans are guaranteed issue, which means there's not underwriting. And they um, have community-based rating, which means the premiums remain the same whether or not you sign up when you're 65 or if you were 85. Whatever the rate for that year is, you would be eligible at that rate, okay? And again, these plans are paired with original Medicare A and B. And then there's the advent of the Medicare Advantage plan somewhere around 2006. These plans um, require networks of doctors, hospitals. And uh, in 2006, you know, the networks were probably a little thin, you know, the, um, the program was just getting off the ground. Today, the networks are quite rich. Um, and most often these plans include prescription drugs. They have <clears throat> what's called an annual maximum out of pocket. Now let's think about that. An annual maximum out of pocket. That means there is a ceiling annually that if you had to pull money out of your pocket for co-pays, um, let's say you had a really bad year. Let's say you might be diagnosed with uh, cancer. You might require lots of tests. You might require surgeries. You might require time in a nursing home. You might require um, that you fell in the nursing home. Now you need a hip surgery. It's a terrible year. These plans have a ceiling so that you will never pull out of your wallet more than a certain amount of money, after which the plan will pay 100% of everything. 
So this is a big, um, you know, risk. This is a, helps so much with any medical risk you feel you might have. Okay. Now, um, I'll tell you, it's few and far between that people ever reach a maximum out of pocket, by the way. And these might range depending on the Medicare Advantage plan, anywhere from maybe $5,000 a year to about $7,800 a year in the state of Connecticut. Okay, that would vary if you move to another state, you'd have all different plans in another state. Um, and again, you have to follow the network of hospitals and doctors. These are sold by private insurance companies. There are some medical groups that are beginning to put plans like this together also. They are typically guaranteed issue. And you cannot have this plan and a Medicare supplement plan. You typically, if your Medicare Advantage plan had a drug plan embedded, which most do, you could not have an additional drug plan. Okay. And for any one of these combinations of plans, you must be enrolled at all times in Medicare Part A and Part B. So this is the annual election period. This is one time when you can um, shop again, uh, reanalyze your plan, look at your life, see what changes occurred over the year, um, or maybe new products came out in the market. Um, I spoke with someone the other day who, who said, you know, my neighbor has a plan and she has so many things in it, right? So I asked a few questions. I said, well, when did you get your plan? She said, 15 years ago. I said, well, you know, then we can chat about, you know, what's new in the marketplace. So sometimes it's, sometimes annual enrollment period could be somewhat of a shopping expedition. When you sign up anywhere between October 15th and December 7th, your new plan or your, will always be effective January 1st of the following year. Now, this is, you know, the big election period of the year. Um, of course, there's the time when you turn 65. There's the time when you are um, the 25th month after collecting Social Security if you're disabled. There are special enrollment periods that if you um, lost your employment, lost your group health insurance through your employer, um, if you moved, that creates another special circumstance, especially if you move to another state, they're not gonna have the plan you're on in your home state. So there are a variety of election periods. This is the one most familiar to most people. 
there is also a second period. It's from January to March. If for some reason you didn't change your plan during annual enrollment period, you have an opportunity to, if, and you're enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan, that Medicare Part C, you have an opportunity at the beginning of the year from January to the end of March to either change your Medicare Advantage plan to another Medicare Advantage plan or to stop your Medicare Advantage plan and go back to original Medicare. If you like your plan, if there not been any changes in your life, new medications, a move, you know, all those kinds of things, um, you could just keep your plan, it automatically rolls over. Yeah. And that's the question I get the most, you know, really. So there is um, financial assistance, even for Medicare. Okay. There's a variety of ways to get this financial assistance. Um, financial assistance with Medicare usually falls under the Medicaid umbrella. And it's typically somewhat of a weaving in and out between the federal government and your state government. Okay. So for instance, extra help is one type of financial assistance. Um, you have to meet certain income threshold levels. Um, that is a federal program and that helps you with your drug costs. Um, there's the Medicare savings program that will also help you with your uh, drug costs and at certain financial levels may also help you pay for all of your co-pays, deductibles and premiums. Um, then there's a, a program for the elderly. Um, it's kind of an all-inclusive care program that is, um, is a way to support elders that might otherwise have to go into a, a skilled nursing facility for long-term. It's a way to try to keep them in the community with a medical care team. Um, some states have the program. Some states do not. State of Connecticut happens not to have that program. And, you know, and then there are always questions that you could ask Medicaid.gov. Okay. So these are ways to connect to any of those organizations to see if you might qualify. Now, I said before, and this is so true, that it's, it's, it may be your medications that drives you to the most suitable, affordable plan. There are um, some people we help that, you know, have 10 to 15 medications in their life. Some have none or few, but whatever they are, a detailed look at them and how they fit into your drug plan um, will quite often determine your annual cost for care. So, I mean, oddly enough, it's D 
that's the answer here. Okay, so there are almost close to 5 billion prescriptions filled annually in the United States. There are ways to lower the cost. Certainly um, taking generics um, is one way. Uh, sometimes I, we help guide people. You know, we can see into all these systems and uh, there was a person who one medication popped out as being so expensive. And it turned out that her doctor had prescribed a certain variation of the medication. And, um, you know, I always preview this piece of conversation with, you know, I'm no doctor, so please talk to your doctor, but I see that you're on a variation of this medication. And, it, and it's funny when, when people talk to their doctors, their doctors are kind of unaware of the cost of certain medications behind the scene. And the doctor said, oh yeah, it's no problem. We could move you to this variation. So those are always some key things to look at. Going to a different pharmacy. Pharmacies are, ha, are part of networks also. So if you're going to a preferred pharmacy within your drug plan, you will get a lower cost for your medications. There are coupon savings today. There are uh, discount cards today. Um, there are what's called CPAP programs in certain states. So, and then there is the concept that you might switch your plan to lower your costs. I've seen savings of thousands of dollars from plan switches. So my goal today was to unravel the mysteries here, but I will say that this is sort of a depiction of the array of plans that are available in every state. And if you put them all together and you think about the different mixes and matches you can do, there's probably mathematically a little over 118 choices you could make. That's what's the confusing part. So what is it that you should consider when you're choosing or attempting to choose one of those combinations. First, what's your budget? Second, who are your doctors? Third, your drug costs. Very important. Fourth, how often do you go to the doctor? How often do you utilize the medical system? Then what do you like? What do you not like? What do you want? Do you want dental? Do you need transportation to your doctor's appointments because you live alone and don't drive? Um, then what are your travel habits? Do you spend six months a year in a warm climate? That will affect which plan you might select. So there's lots of considerations. 
And just know there are people out there to help guide you through the quagmire. Okay, there are. And they're authorized to offer assistance to you. They are credentialed, um, educated, and certified annually every year. And most remarkably, the services are at no cost to the consumer. For more information about programming at the Ferguson Library, you can always visit fergusonlibrary.org or check out the library's channel on YouTube. Thank you for listening.